Hi, I'm Jody, and I listen to DesignCast from Georgia, United States. This is Jared Dunbar, and I'm listening to the DesignCast podcast from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Hi, I'm Enrique Caetano, and I listen to the DesignCast from Portugal. Hi, I'm Kevin O'Shea, and I listen to DesignCast from Shenzhen, China. Welcome to DesignCast, a podcast where I interview a wide range of excellent guests in design and STEAM education to get their unique perspectives. My name is Jason Regan, and I use my 20 plus years of experience as a design educator to dig deep into complex issues. This podcast has one simple mission, to create a community of people around the world that are interested in design and STEAM education. Each episode, I chat with guests from all corners of the design world, from classroom teachers to authors and even to educational consultants. We discuss a wide range of topics that we feel are relevant today. I do want to ask you that if you're enjoying this podcast, please leave a review, rate, subscribe, share, or download from your favorite podcasting app. This helps the podcast get discovered by listeners that might not find it otherwise. Also, it helps me to continually define the direction of future guests and episodes. Feel free to drop by my website, www.jasonreagan.ga, to leave me a comment or to sign up to be considered as a future guest on future episodes. Also, don't forget to stop by Anchor and leave me a voice clip that could even end up in an upcoming show. Thanks for listening. So let's get to it. On this episode of DesignCast, I had the chance to catch up with Melissa Guyon. Melissa is the founder of Forever Love Publishing, and her link will be there on my show notes. With over 60 novels under her belt, Melissa is a very experienced author and storyteller. We talk about how she started out even as a teacher and moved into being a prolific writer of teen romance novels. Melissa shares about her experience growing up and how they contributed to her becoming an author. I really enjoyed chatting with her about the process that she goes through and what suggestions she has for teachers to foster the love of writing in students. You can find out more about Melissa and her publishing company over at her website, foreverlovepublishing.com. All of her social media handles and whatnot are available there on her website. I would really, really love to hear from you guys. And so if you don't mind swinging by the old Anchor website that I have for this podcast and leaving me a voicemail, it's been fantastic to hear from so many people lately, and I can't wait to hear from more. So please reach out. Also, if you don't mind sharing this podcast with those who might be interested 
in many cases, it's maybe not even teachers. So if you don't mind sharing, I would really, really appreciate that because you guys sharing and rating and subscribing are what keep me doing what I'm doing. So I do appreciate it. If you have any ideas for future episodes, please let me know. You can reach out through my website, www.jasonreagan.ga. And I've got a contact form right there on the website. And I cannot wait to hear from you. So now sit back, relax, and enjoy this chat I had with Melissa Guyon. Welcome back to another edition of Design Cast, and I am absolutely just super excited to have Melissa Guyon with me today. And Melissa is going to tell us all about who she is. But Melissa, thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you for having me. It's an honor. <laughs> the honor is all mine, Melissa. So thank you so much. And so can you tell um, everyone listening a little bit about yourself? Sure. Yeah. So um, I'm an author. I live in Hamilton, New Zealand with my husband and two sons and my black Labrador Zippy. She's a sweetheart. I've been writing for about oh, over a decade, actually, now. I've come a long way and learned a lot of things along the way. So just this year, I actually decided to start up a publishing company as well because over the years as I have published my different novels I'm up around I think the number's like 64 or 65 now and I've had three different pen names in doing that the reason I do different pen names is because I write in slightly different romance genres and for marketing purposes I really wanted to make my branding quite clear on what I was delivering to a reader. But I was also finding it really hard having three separate pen names. So I decided to create a publishing company called Forever Love Publishing. And I just launched that this year, which is super exciting. And so now people can look up my publishing company and they'll find all three of my pen names on that website and they can find out all about me and and what my books are about which is really cool. That is really cool. And I think it's neat that you've found a way to kind of create an umbrella for those things that you, you know, all these different accounts. I feel like that way with my social media accounts sometimes. (laughs) I have several personas online and that's great. Well, I'm really excited to hear about that. I can't believe you've written that many books. That's unbelievable. We'll get to that in a few minutes. Can you tell me a little bit about kind of the journey you took to becoming an author? Yeah, definitely. So as a child, I, I was always a dreamer. I always, had a story playing in my mind. I had a huge imagination and I was always playing pretend either by myself or with my friends. And um, I just always had stories running through me at night. I'd go to bed and I'd have stories in my head. And that's how I'd I'd kind of, you know, imagine myself to sleep uh, with different storylines and stuff. I didn't ever think that being an author was even an option. So I didn't look into it when I went to university. I actually studied to become an elementary school teacher, which was great. And I did that for about three years and I did really enjoy it, but it didn't quite press all the buttons for me but writing really did and my best friend one day said to me oh you you keep telling me about all these stories ideas why don't you just write one of them down and so I did I was writing it for her and I absolutely fell in love with the whole process and when I finished the book I gave it to a few different people and everyone seemed to really like it and that gave me the confidence to think well maybe I've got something got a talent here that I could pursue and then when my my eldest son Jake was born I really wanted to be a stay-at-home mum but I didn't want to just 
do nothing while I was staying at home as well. Like during his nap times and stuff, I wanted something to do. So I looked into doing a writing course and I, I did a two year online writing course and learned so much. It was so, so helpful. And then when my second son was born, I started investigating the indie publishing world because I'd been trying to get traditionally published with just absolutely no luck at all. I think sometimes being in New Zealand, you're a bit far away from sort of the American market and some of the bigger markets. Uh, you can't go to book conferences and all that kind of stuff. So I decided to look into indie publishing just to see if that would be an option for me. And I really liked what I found and how I could have control over my business and kind of control over my books and my covers and my content. And yes, yeah, so I started doing that and then it just kind of took off from there. That is unbelievable. I mean, I hear stories about people following their dreams or following their passions. And as a teacher, we often want to inspire students to follow their passion. And that's a very inspirational journey that you have just outlined for us. And I know it wasn't probably it, when we look back, everything is really easy to kind of make into nice <laughs> linear lines. So I'm sure it wasn't quite as linear as it sounds, but mm. it sounds really amazing. And, and I'm really honored to have you here and talking about that. And that's just amazing. So tell me a little bit about the workspace that you use. How does how does all of that come together and help with your inspiration and, and whatnot? Well, I've, I've created a workspace for me at home. So I've got a room that is mine and I call it my office and I've decorated the walls with inspiration pictures of my characters and I've put my logos up around the wall and I've got my, my calendars that keep me on track. And I've been lucky enough to be sent like artwork and stuff and some of my readers, one of my readers made me this amazing quilt that she posted to me from Germany. And so I've got that on my wall and I've got a painting that one of my other readers did for me, which is just so cool. So, you know, I've just tried to make it a place that's really my own. To be honest, I probably could work anywhere in the sense that my imagination takes me to a different place in my head. So I could, I could be working in any kind of space as long as it's quiet. I cannot write with music for some reason. I can do all my other work with music, like website design, graphics, any of that kind of stuff with music. But when it comes to actually writing my manuscripts, I cannot have music. So I, I tend to just need a quiet space. One other thing I've learned from years of writing is that working at a standing desk is really beneficial for me because I used to get a lot of neck and shoulder pain and headaches because I obviously slump when I'm sitting in a chair without meaning to. So I've I'm transferred to a standing desk and that's been really, really beneficial with the headaches and stuff like that. What you're describing is what most teachers in the world have been experiencing <laughs> over the past year, especially. And so standing desks have become even more popular in schools. And mm -hmm. I think for anyone working from home, you have to have ability to be flexible. And let me ask you a follow up to that. Do you do your own like cover art and things like that? Or how does how do you go about finding that for your your books? So um, I don't do my cover art. I, I send a design brief to a graphic designer. I've worked with a few over the years, but I've found this one amazing graphic designer called Emily Wittig, and she is just amazing. She totally gets me, and she always is on time, and she's great to work with. And I'm finding that I'm just using her all the time for everything. So I'll send her a design brief and then she'll send me a mock-up and it'll either be right on point or it won't quite be right. And then I'll sort of help her 
develop what she's given me until we're both really happy with what we've got. And the other outside resources I use are editors. I pay for professional editing of my books, but everything else I do myself, I do all my formatting and that kind of stuff myself. So yeah, it works pretty well. Do you write your manuscripts by hand or do you type them? I mean, I've heard of authors who like to write them longhand and oh things like that. <laughs> oh my <goodness>. <laughs> <laughs> No, I type. Okay. Actually, I know a lot of authors recently have gotten into dictation and I did try it for a while, but obviously my brain does not work. I used to find that I'd dictate half a sentence and then just freeze. Like I didn't know what I wanted to say, but then as soon as I transferred back to typing, the words just flowed again. I'm obviously just one of those people that can't dictate very easily. Uh, maybe it's a skill that I need to practice. I'm not sure. But for now, I just let my fingers fly across the keyboard and I'm happy. Nice. Yeah, I was just curious because I've, I've heard of people doing it all kinds of different ways. Mm. So I wasn't sure about that. In your time as an author, I mean, it sounds like your journey has been a winding road mm. in a sense with lots of different pen names and things like that. What are some of the most important lessons that you've learned as an author and being an indie publisher? Oh my goodness, I've, I've learned so much. I feel like I am constantly learning. So I guess just off the top of my head, I'd probably say that you need to be really open to learning. So you need to be open to professional feedback and criticism because you can't improve unless you're willing to learn. You can't grow unless you're willing to take advice and change things. I remember years ago, my brother-in-law actually telling me how he really loves critical feedback because it means that there's an opportunity to improve what he's working on. And that really impacted me because I used to be a little bit sensitive about criticism. And I've just learned that criticism is actually a really wonderful thing. Not all criticism, obviously, you do still need to um, be true to who you are and your books and, and the work that you do. And sometimes you really just have to listen to your gut. But there's a lot of really decent advice out there. And if you're willing to really take it on board, you can improve whatever it is that you're working on. And um, so I'm a big fan of, of feedback. I think that's a really important lesson to take into, into business or whatever it is you're doing, but particularly writing, because um, you really need that feedback to make your work worthy of publishing, I suppose. Another thing that I wanted to mention that is probably another lesson that's just sort of tapping in my brain here is that it actually takes a lot to write a book. I know that it's really easy to be like, I'll just write a book. I mean, I, there, there's a lot more that goes into it. There's, there's a lot that goes into a planning and a structure of a novel. And I think, unfortunately, with the, with the indie market, because anyone can just write and publish a book, sometimes some of that gets a little bit lost. And I think it's really important that new writers actually take the time to, to learn and study story structure and character development, how to create really strong stories. And it's actually something that I'm, I'm looking into maybe next year, um, starting up maybe teaching some writing classes because I've been doing this for over a decade now and I've, I've learned so much in my journey. I feel like I've just got this wealth of, of knowledge and information and it would be really cool to start sharing it with enthusiastic budding writers who just need a little bit of direction. I think that would be amazing. I know that I would take your class, Melissa. I think it'd be awesome. Uh, I want to follow up a little bit to that because I used to teach with your husband, Pete. Do you find that you, the two of you feed off of each other when it comes to your craft? In other words, is Pete still teaching like individuals and societies or, or social studies type things? And yep. if he is, does he, does he use some of the techniques you've learned as an author? Do you guys talk about that or is there any kind of cross-pollination or anything from that? 
Well, I mean, I mean, definitely. I mean, the the one awesome thing is is when you're both trained in the same area, you really can understand each other. There's a special language that they use in education, and because I trained in education, I I really get it. And so often Pete will be talking to me about the lessons he's got planned or because he's teaching now English and social sciences. So, you know, he'll be able to share, oh, this is what I'm thinking of doing. And I'll be able to be like, yeah, that's great. Or have you thought about this? And we kind of bounce off each other a little bit like that. And like even this morning, he's doing poetry at the moment. And he said, oh, can you just sit down for five minutes with me and go through this poem and, and help me pick out the poetic devices? And so we did that together, which was cool. From a writing viewpoint, sometimes if I'm a little bit stuck um, with a practical plot point in a story, like I need to get this guy from here to here and this needs to happen to him, but I'm just not quite sure how to make that go. And so as I chat to him and he kind of feeds me a few ideas and then I'll take what he said and developed it or or I won't go with what he said, but it sparked another idea. And he does that too. Sometimes I'll give him an idea which sparks a different idea for him. So we definitely do bounce ideas off each other and it's really cool. I love that about our relationship. Yeah, that sounds great. I mean, Pete's a pretty inspirational dude, so I'm sure yeah, that awesome. you get a lot of inspiration <laughs> from him. And so that's great. You mentioned a few challenges about being in this business. What other sorts of challenges do you have? And do you have any more challenges or more successes Due to the current global situation? To be honest, I, I don't think COVID has necessarily um, hit my particular business that, that hard because it's an online business anyway. Um, I'm very grateful for that. People are still reading, which is really helpful for me. So I think the challenge that I face and that many, many authors face, it's not just me, is that the market is really competitive, you know, and, and you've got to just constantly be on your game, constantly looking to see what's happening in the market. Uh, are my covers hitting point? Is my book description enticing enough? Um, what are readers wanting at the moment? What are the trends? What advertising is working? How am I going to get people to want to read my book over the millions of other books that are currently listed on Amazon and that sort of thing? So I think I find that hard because I'm very much, I've always been one of those people that you find a method that works and you do that and then it works. But with marketing and the, just the speed of which the world is turning these days, it's really hard to just do that. You can't just go, well, this is what used to work. I don't know why it's not working now. You just have to keep moving and changing and adapting. So that's probably my biggest challenge, I'd say. Yeah, I can only imagine. I mean, bookstores are not what they used to be. And I can only, you know, do you do, you do a lot of e-publishing? Is there a lot of like, of demand for ebooks and and things like that like is that part of your market as well or absolutely the, that's that's uh, yeah. my absolute bread and butter so ebooks page reads on kindle unlimited so kindle unlimited is kind of like a subscription service like netflix or something and people pay like a monthly subscription fee and they can borrow a certain amount of books from Kindle Unlimited. So my books are in Kindle Unlimited and as an author, I earn a certain amount of money per page read. So page reads and ebook sales would make up, I would say, 90% of my income. So I'm very, very grateful for Amazon and the ebook industry taking off. <laughs> wow. I didn't realize it was such a huge market share. I guess mm. it would be. I don't know why it wouldn't wouldn't be. And so <laughs> how hard would that be for, let's say, a student, a high school student to publish something? I know you were saying a lot of people are just publishing and they haven't had in writing and they haven't had a lot of formal training and things, but mm. how hard would that be for like a teenager to do? Anyone can really publish, you know, anyone can sign up for, for a, K, it's called a KDP account, uh, can Kindle Direct Publishing account. And, and if you've got a story, you can publish it. 
you know, there, there's nothing stopping you from doing that. But I guess the thing is, is that if you want it to sell, you need to understand market trends, cover design, you need to have it properly edited. Because if you publish a book that's that's really bad, that's going to taint your author name for a long time to come. So it, it's worth doing your homework and doing it really well and not just rushing in. With my very first pen name, Melissa Pearl, I didn't really know what I was doing. And um, I still had a good quality product, but I just kind of chucked it out there and, and it didn't it didn't just take off. I, I really had to to learn as I as I went. And then as I learned, each book after that got better and better. And then when I started my Jordan Ford pen name, which is my big pen name, that's the one that makes me the most, I've had the most success with Jordan Ford. By that stage, I knew exactly what branding was and I knew what kind of covers would, would sell and what book descriptions would sell. And I kind of had a really clear idea so therefore that pen name has just done so well although anyone can publish if you want to publish successfully you need to to learn the trade and you need to to do your homework and do your research and go into it just fully prepared wow that's fantastic advice and I, I find that, you know, there's educators out there who might even want to dabble with doing one of these sort of things. Maybe they feel like they have a great story or, or whatnot. And so you find you're getting a lot of readers from North America and, and Asia and Europe or like, what's your biggest market areas? Well, when I look at my stats, um, North America is by far my biggest market, but that's also what I've poured most of my energy into. So, you know, that's where I've put most of my advertising and stuff because that's been the most successful market for me so and also a lot of my books are set in fictional towns in America I don't know why my imagination lives in America but it does I've always always ever since I was a little kid I've always loved America and I just yeah I really enjoy setting stories there and working with American characters and yeah so that's been my biggest market I, I would I I need to spend a little bit more time actually trying to break into the to the European market and the Australasian market and it is something that is on my radar I definitely have readers from all over the world but America would be by far my biggest my biggest lot I can only imagine you're never short on characters <laughs> from America, especially right now. <laughs> it's just way, way too many people to inspire you, whether fictitious or fake news or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> That's great. So, Melissa, tell me about what's your overall vision? What do you what do you want to get from all this? I know you've kind of hinted around that, but where do you see yourself in 5, 10, 15 years? Um, I mean, I just I just want to keep keep growing. I kind of have, have three kind of main goals with my writing that aren't about me. It's about my readers, actually. So, so I really want to help readers fall in love with reading. When I was a child, I didn't really like reading very much. And it wasn't until I came across a series of books that hit the spot, you know, they were exactly what I wanted. And then I just devoured them. I mean, I'd read a book a day. And it made me realize that there is a book out there for everyone. And, and I want to help produce books that are easy to read, fun, full of adventure and romance, and, and can really hit maybe those kids who think reading's boring. So I'm trying to produce books that are really interesting and easy to read for readers. That's one of my goals. Another one, which is really huge important to me is to produce books that really teach that lesson of what healthy love is what it looks like I think there's so many distorted messages going out into society these days of what love is and to me I, I think they're incorrect I, I don't think it's okay for teenagers and kids to be reading books about bully romance where the main character is really awful and horrible and mean and this girl just kind of keeps following him around and getting treated really badly I, I don't think that's a healthy message I want girls to realize that their guys should be treating them with respect and love and care 
and I and I want guys to know that that um, girls should be treating them with respect and love and care as well. It's a it's a two way thing, you know. Partners need to respect each other, and I think in order to get to that point, you have to learn to love who you are as a person and to own who you are, the way you look, the way you talk, the way you think and feel. Just own it and be proud of who you are. And and as you feel that and grow in confidence, then you're able to be in friendships and romantic relationships. So I think in my stories, I try to make sure that my characters are flawed and that there's room to grow. And so my readers are hopefully reading this and being inspired by the lessons that they learn and the relationships they're in and the way that they're treated by their peers and by adults in their life and stuff like that. So I'm just... Those are the mess. I really want to just lift up healthy love and shine a really positive light on healthy love. And another way for me to do that is in action. A way for me to do that in action is that I donate a portion of all of my profits to an organization called Love 146. So they're a human rights organization that are working to end child trafficking and exploitation, which I just think is, is an area that's really, really important to me. So being able to, to show readers through my books and my stories what healthy love is and then to go that step further and say, actually, Actually, I am giving some of my profits towards an organization that is living healthy love on an everyday basis. That's my vision is that, that I will just continue to grow, continue to spread those messages and continue to be able to support what Love 146 is doing. Wow, that is amazing. And you've put your money where your mouth is. So that's good. <laughs> that's amazing, <laughs> Melissa. And you know, it, you're, you're absolutely right, because I would say that I've noticed the trend in storytelling over the past decade, especially with on demand viewing and live streaming and everything just seems to be headed down such a negative path in so many ways. And so I think mm-hmm. it's great that you're taking very conscious steps to try and curb that where you can do your part, because mm-hmm. if you don't act, that's just as much as, as an action as, as doing something, right? So that's yeah. fantastic. So let me ask you this. So as this is a podcast for educators predominantly, what mm-hmm. kind of advice would you give to educators about writing? And what I mean by that is, especially in international schools and IV schools, schools, writing is a big part of what students do, whether it's in English or whether it's in PE. They do a lot of writing. And what can we do as teachers to make our students overall better writers? That's a really good question. (laughs) (laughs) I think if you can give students freedom to write about what they're interested in, what they're passionate about, that will definitely help with enthusiasm level. When I did my writing course, I had to cover everything from newspaper articles to poetry and fiction. And and I felt I found some of it really boring, if I'm honest. I mean, it was really good for me to experience all kinds of writing. But the one that ignited me and made me passionate about finishing my assignments was fiction especially romantic fiction, like that's my jam. That's what I like to write about. So I know that that as teachers, you can't always give students that opportunity because students need to, to learn to write in every style of writing. They need to know how to write an explanation. They need to know how to write an argument. They need to know how to write instructions. You know, it's important that they cover all of those bases while they're in school. But if, if teachers are able to, within those different formats, let them choose topics that they're really interested in, because when you research something that you're actually passionate about or really Really intrigues you, then you're going to do far better because the task will become interesting and you'll get more joy from it than if you're having to study a topic that makes you want to go to sleep. I mean, when I was at uni, there were definitely 
university papers that I was passionate about, like psychology. I loved it. It was so interesting. And then I had to do a paper on politics and education. And that was really tough because it wasn't interesting at all to me. So I know that teachers aren't always able to accommodate that. But I think if you can give students a little bit of wiggle room over over the topics that they're choosing and stuff, that can be really helpful. And, and maybe also just reminding students that how important and powerful the written word is and how we do need to have a really good handle on it going into the future, doing jobs and being able to be successful at university and getting into whatever career path they want to get into you do need to know how to write well not for all of them but for a lot of them I think another thing now now this isn't exactly writing but I do think that for the students who just really struggle with writing and really really hate doing it I think sometimes there is a bit of room for the message to be told in a different format so for example comic book slideshow presentation a screenplay a mini film a speech like there, there's so many different mediums to express yourself these days and I think sometimes it doesn't always have to be about completing an essay sometimes the assignment could be presented in a completely different way where the information is still being researched and processed and and thought about critically but it just doesn't have to be written down if that makes sense that makes complete sense I completely agree with you being that I teach what I think outside of design circles most folks would think would be a non-core subject kind of thing being flexible about the way that we allow students to share their understanding and their performance of knowledge is fantastic that you would also encourage that. And and I've noticed that there's been such a rise in graphic novels, for example. I don't know about your boys, but my two boys love graphic novels. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever considered doing a graphic novel, Melissa? Yes, I have. Some of my stories I think would be amazing as graphic novels, but it's just a very, very costly endeavor. So I haven't pursued it yet, but it is definitely on the back burner because I think that would be, I've got a couple of graphic novels in mind that I think would just be amazing. My eldest son, Jake, is a huge graphic novel fan. He's He's struggled with reading. He's there now. He he's had dyslexia and it's been challenging, but he's worked really hard and he's now reading at expectation or whatever you want to call it. Like he's he's reading where he should be. But he just loves graphic novels because there's it's not big chunks of text, which can be quite intimidating for someone with dyslexia. Having the text in smaller speech bubbles and in little boxes in the corner of the graphics and stuff has been so helpful. So I'm a huge, huge fan of graphic novels. And also audiobooks have been amazing for Jake. He listened to the Harry Potter series on audiobook and he just got hooked on audiobooks so he's always got one on the go now and that's been instrumental for him. That's great information and, and suggestions and have you had any of your books done as, as audiobooks at this point yes, Melissa? Yes I have I've been lucky enough to have a few series turned into audiobooks and which is great I mean I'm not really an audiobook person because I'm so visual I find reading much easier for me if I'm listening to a story I actually get quite distracted whereas my son can listen to a book and absorb all the information and, and stuff so I think there's a definite place for audiobooks and I'm very pro them. I know that a lot of people will listen to an audiobook when they're on um, a train or, or they're traveling to work or school or whatever and I just think it's awesome. So I would eventually like to get all my books made into audiobooks but for now I've got a couple of my Jordan Ford series and one of my, oh, two of my Melissa Pearl series have been made into audiobooks. Wow, that's great. Were you able to contribute your voice to any of those? <laughs> No, I haven't. Although I, I've written one series that is set in New Zealand. It's called my Forever Love series. And it's a Jordan Ford series. And it's seven books. I set it on a farm. It's a fictitious farm just down the road from where I live. And I'd really love to be able to record 
those audiobooks because it's really hard for Americans to do a New Zealand accent. I know some of them can do it really well, but it is quite a New Zealand accent, quite hard. If I could narrate it in my own accent, I think that would be quite cool. I think the folks would appreciate that. I think that hearing the author and their own voice add to their own words is is really fantastic. So that's the, hey man, there's some more life goals and vision Absolutely. Uh, for you yeah. as you as you, as you <laughs> move down the road. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's it. I mean, they're not making any more time, are they? No, so, I, I, mean, I need like a 40-hour day. It would be really useful. <laughs> yeah, I guess it would be. <laughs> <laughs> Melissa, let me just ask you a few practical things. Like mm-hmm. what are some, what's the probably the most useful tech tool that you have as a writer? Well, my computer, obviously, but um, I, use a, I use a writing program called Scrivener, and I've been using that for a few years now, and I honestly don't know what I would do without it. It's just a really great way of organizing your writing information. So I have one Scrivener project per series. And then um, within that Scrivener project, you can set up folders. So I've got my planning folders. I've got my character profile folders. I've got my folders per book in the series. And then within that folder, there's each individual chapter. And it just makes it really easy to kind of like, you don't really need to leave the program unless you're wanting to do some internet research. So it just means that all my stuff's together and I'm not having to sift through Word documents trying to find, oh, where did I write that again? You know, like it's all just there. So I think Scrivener, I use it every day. And yeah, I wouldn't be without that writing program. That sounds like something maybe some of the teachers listening might find really mm. interesting. Is it really geared towards writing or is it just more of an organizational type um, Well, no, it's, it's geared towards writing. So they've mm. even got like, you can um, you can choose different types of projects. So you can do like a manuscript project or you can do a screenplay project. And yeah, it's definitely, I'm pretty sure that, that there's like a free trial to begin with and stuff. You can do like a 14 day trial to see if you like it. But I know a lot of writers use it and I would highly recommend it for writing. I, I know that there would be some students who are serious about that sort of thing. I have a lot of students who write screenplays and such. That might actually be mm-hmm. something they might be interested in. And so, of course, I can't have an author on the podcast and not ask what book to read. <laughs> and so, gonna... can, can you tell me what book you would recommend everyone stop what they're doing and read right now? I read that, Christian, when you sent it to me. And to be honest, I actually came up with a self-help book. And it's called The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. I try to read at least two or three self-help books a year but this has been by far the best one I've ever read because it's just so practical and sensible and you can implement all of his suggestions which makes sense and and they can really make a difference in your life so his his main sort of theme or, or lesson is that that small changes consistently made over a long period of time equal big results and it's just like oh my gosh that's so right just just setting up really healthy habits in your life can change your life and so that's the one I recommended actually um, I've got so many books I could recommend but that was the one that came to mind because I feel like that applies to everyone and I think that everyone should read this book it's just got such great advice in it and it's really simple and easy to understand yet so powerful I will make sure to attempt to include that in the show notes so folks who are listening can mm-hmm. at least have a look and, and find where that is that's that's awesome and so Melissa I want to ask if people want to get in touch with you what's the best way for them to do that my readers mostly hang out on Facebook and Instagram so that's where I that's my social media Instagram wise I spend a lot of time on my Jordan Ford books account so if you're on Instagram and you're an Instagram person please check out Jordan Ford books I'm trying to make it real pretty and I'm having lots of fun with that and Facebook wise I've got my forever love publishing Facebook page and I've also got Jordan Ford books Facebook page and then also my websites that's kind of where all my information is so you might want to include this in the show notes but 
it's it's just foreverlovepublishing.com and then jordanfordbooks.com. I'll leave, of course, have all that in the show notes and folks can check that out. And I'm sure that folks will come and have a look at what you have to offer. And I know that they're going to be excited to see what you have. But that's amazing. Thank you so much, Melissa. This has been amazing. I've learned so much from you. And it makes me to be an inspiring romance author myself. So (laughs) (laughs) we'll see how that works out. Thank you so much, Melissa. It's so nice to be able to talk about my craft. You know, like you don't always get the opportunity to do it. So I really, really appreciate this. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. And it's been just been great chatting with you. Thank you. You too. I hope you enjoyed that episode of DesignCast. I'm Jason, your host, and I produced and created this podcast. If you have any input, I would love to hear from you. And I look forward to seeing you again really soon. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. We will see you on the next episode.